cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 7th, 2007. Newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you can, if you can handle it, you can get a lot of the truth there of the, the events leading up to our present situation in the world, why things are really happening, the organizations that bring it about, and download them for free. And you can also look into Alan Watt's Sentient Sentinel. We can download transcripts in the tongues of Europe. And you can pass those around to your friends. Because that's how information is really spread. It's generally from people or to people uh, where trust is concerned. It's very it's different when you're uh, a bodiless voice on the airwaves. And you'd be surprised at what goes on in the airwaves. I won't go into it. But... When you actually know people or meet people in real life, they can see you. They can see the body language. They can, they can see if you're genuine or not, if more of an idea, use intuition. So you should pass around transcripts or even burn some of the talks to disk and pass them around. What's interesting to me is that so many of the young people are catching on to what's been happening in their lives. And no wonder, because really, for a hundred years, we've had this mad pace, this crazy pace of change, cultural change, which, when you're born into a, a, a transition phase, as they call it today, as they call it in sociology, transition phases, when you're altering your culture and your morales or, or everything that goes into creating that culture, when they're changing it into the next one, uh, they keep you in a state of massive confusion and fear while they bring it about. And you adapt to it quite casually, in fact. You adapt because everyone else is adapting. And that's how you judge yourself, is how well you've adapted according to other people. And if you think the same things uh, as they do, then you think you're quite sane. And this is a science. It's actually a science that is taught in very, very high schools, in the kind of schools that you want to have access to, but the people who become the technocrats uh, attend, that's, that's what they attend, these particular types of schools where they're taught and they're picked for very young, in fact, for their careers and for their role in this particular type of system. They're given archives of information on human behavior way beyond what was ever given out by Freud or any of the analysts, even way beyond Skinner. Uh, Skinner went into behaviorism and how to, to alter the behavior of vast amounts of people by altering things in their environment. That's how you, you adapt. Things alter in your environment and you adapt quite easily. And so they broke down everything that creates culture. What is culture? What are the standard 
beliefs become the norms that everyone adapts to. And once they understood all that a long, long time ago, they realized that they could reintroduce new normals, which would then be adapted to, and within a generation, they would replace the old normals. And, and once again, the new normals would be taught as gospel truth. It's no joke to look back in the Middle Ages when people were burned at one time if they questioned the church. They were burned as witches or heretics. And today, if you're against this system, you're condemned just the same way and simply eliminated or put in prison. I'll be more, back with more of this after the following messages. Granted, and that there's nothing in your existence that you should take for granted because your life is really planned for you. At least the changes in your life are planned for you. Fashions and even music is designed way ahead of its introduction into society, all depending upon decisions of those who create your culture. And it's called culture creation. They use this term in the Soviet system, where actors and musicians and so on were well aware of their role. Their role was to give a, a, new, a new totalitarian type of image to the new Soviet man and woman, how they're all working together. So all their plays and their movies were centered around production for the common good. And they went to incredible extremes to, to show these farcical movies where I think one of them, everyone came down with, with uh, some kind of uh, infection one by one until there was only two left in the whole factory. And they rigged everything up with levers and strings to keep all the levers going uh, just to get through, to, to make it all happen and to prove that the Soviet uh, human uh, was, was so superior. So you gave everything. You were a cog in the, in the wheel, a cog in the machine, basically, of this vast empire of the Soviet. And that... It's no coincidence that the Soviet man was viewed as a, a collective because the whole Soviet system came from the West. It was funded by the big bankers run by the big economists, the only ones who took the art of economy, the science of economy, and used it on vast amounts of people. They had the histories of how economy shapes the world and how those who control money literally control the world. Very old technique. And they used that system for the Soviet system, where they viewed everyone as part of the collective. Individualism was out, and the collective was in. And it was a sham from the beginning, because there already was an elite formed very quickly, and a new kind of class system was introduced very quickly, and the vast bulk of the populace was all down below, uh, working their fingers to the bone, all working for a better day, a better dawn, as they used to say, which never really happened because corruption was rampant at the very beginning at the top, and it simply spread gradually, gradually 
all the way down until you had to bribe everyone, including doctors, uh, even for an appointment to see a doctor, or even bribe people in hospitals to have your nearest and dearest uh, given fresh linen. If they were lying in urine, you had to bribe people. That was the end product. And this was known at the beginning of the Soviet system by those who created it in the West because they'd already given us a system in the West of production, competition, and rewarding those who are a bit more vicious than the others. Sad comment to make on humanity, but it's very true. That is the system we live in, the psychopathic-type system. But both systems, the West and the East, took a lot of their knowledge, at least they used the knowledge of Charles Darwin to do with the survival of the fittest and both of them went through an industrial era where, for the first time, people were looked upon as the mass, the masses. That's the term they put out there. And everyone started parting the masses, the mass. And individualism, as I say, was gone. You were not treated like a, an individual human being. You were simply part of the collective, no matter how special you thought you were yourself. This has been pushed further and further into... The new scientific era that we're in today, a scientific era where technology is being used to gain more control over every single person as we go into the big Borg world police state. And even here in Canada, we find today they've introduced a new driving license, which is, happens to be exactly the same as the one they've introduced in the U.S. with barcodes and all the rest of it and the holographic images, and in 2008 we'll have the new ID card, which is the same one as the U.S., which is the same one as the British one, and everyone else's one, because they're all getting made by the same companies. They're creating a world where all your data, every part of every bit of information, the bits and bytes that are you, will be made accessible by all those given governmental authority. That's everything that you purchase, belong to, buy, uh, sell, how much you earn, how much you spend, uh, including the items that you do buy even in a supermarket, what your particular tastes are and all the rest of it. Your health record will all be in there and you can bet your bottom dollar is coupled with the Human Genome Project. And because they're classing the people, the primitive classes of special people, bright people, a bit duller people, non-productive people, or people who just won't compete to get to the top. It's all a categorization because the system that's coming in will eventually eliminate those who are deemed replaceable in excess. That's the whole plan. I keep going back to the 1930s when a lot of this plan was put out there in the open by very big players, members of the high aristocracy of Europe. We don't see so much of that today where they come out themselves and write books about what they want to happen in the world. But back then, a whole bunch of them came out, including Aldo Huxley. Now remember Aldo Huxley 
And you can find a speech they gave at Berkeley on my site. You can download it in the archive section, the audio section. And you can download that and listen to this man talk. And he'll even make you laugh because the way he speaks can almost lull you into, into a dreamlike state. It isn't until you listen to what he's actually saying. Because he's talking about a world totalitarian state in the nicest possible manner. And tells you why it would come in and, and how the, people, the public would accept it. Quite casually he tells you this. And even cracks a few jokes along the way. He was talking to the people who would go into governmental positions and high bureaucratic positions and therefore he could afford to be more open. He mentioned uh, the various scientific dictatorship theories that he and others had talked about and put forward in debates in think tanks. And he was trained for his position as a novelist and also as a non-fiction writer and also to push ideas called predictive programming that would get people to work willingly towards this particular goal. And he said, remember that most people are really unhappy. He said, what's wrong? What's wrong with controlling their minds? What's wrong with giving them drugs or, or using, using electrical stimulation of their brain to induce an altered state? To make them happy, they could be completely ignorant, in other words, of what they were even working at, as long as you, th you were living in a fantasy world in this scientific type of dictatorship then what was wrong was stealing your consciousness. That's what he's really saying. There was nothing wrong with it. And he was talking about doing this to a whole world of people. The reason he was talking about it was because he knew it was going to happen. The technology that we are seeing introduced today, right down to microchips, had already been discussed long before Huxley gave his speech in the 1960s, long before he'd even written his book, Brave New World, in 1933. In Brave New World, he gives us a scenario where people will be purposely bred, purposely bred for the task they have to do to manage or to help manage the world state how genes would be replaced and fear types and superior types replaced and how you would be bred for your station in life you couldn't rise above your station and you'd be very content and you'd live on drugs and various kinds of food that feed you to keep you very adequate for your position but no, no bet, better or duller They talked about that being the great way, too, to keep down the population. The population has always been a big topic with Huxley and many others. You should read the statements of his brother, who was the top man at UNESCO, United Nations Educational Group, where their job is actually to bring in a world-standardized education so that everyone will think everything is normal, no matter how bizarre it is. They'll think that the world they're born into could never have traveled any other path than the one it's on. That's the, how simple it is to give you a reality. 
and Huxley himself wrote a follow-up to Brave New World called Brave New World Revisited. He gave lectures around the world in some of the supposed better universities. The ones, as I say, where those from aristocratic families attend and learn their roles in life to help bring all this about. And he said a scientific dictatorship, once it's installed and prepared the minds of the public and trained the public into it, once it's installed completely, could last forever. It could last forever, you see, because you would not be able to think your way out of it. It would be impossible to be an individual and think your way out of it. We'll be back with more after the following messages. with the Quran 
is that there was an attempt made to make a workable society exist for the first time. They understood at the beginning uh, that money and the system of money, which leads to almost a feudalistic system eventually with very, very wealthy families who dominate the rest and turn them into slaves. Okay. They understood that was the problem, a big problem, and they were quite right all that time ago. They were quite right. Uh, and there's no doubt that Muhammad tried to set up a system where, because of those who inherited uh, large amounts of money, um, it would be almost impossible. They had to give so much by law of the inheritance away. It had to be split between uh, even the 20th cousin. And that way, no one person could ever accumulate more money that would make him a lord over other people and then abuse that kind of power. And, and that's what's really impressive about it. And plus, they knew that usury, uh, because for, remember, for a thousand years before that, um, with the history of the ancient world, they were well aware uh, that usury was the means for a few people to, to take over not just uh, tribes or areas, but whole continents of people. Usury and banking was, was the way that uh, you became a slave if you happened to fall for the bait. So they tried to, to stop that at the beginning, and they did hold on to those principles right up into the 1800s, and gradually it was primarily through people from, from uh, London, the diplomats were sent over, they, they gradually started the corruption and, and tried to destroy that. But there's still a lot of hanging on to it in the Middle East. They understand the whole system of usury, debt collection, and then bankruptcy, which means that the whole nation is taken over. Today that's happened. People don't even know that Britain, when Margaret Thatcher was in, had the International Monetary Fund in overseeing her government. Uh, and so the World Bank was running through Margaret Thatcher, the entire system at that time. Okay. So, yes, um, uh, no that was my that question. I have a proposition, quick one. Um, what would you like, uh, what would you think about uh, printing your books? Because uh, I'm working as a chief and editor for Islamic Publishing House and to the Dutch language. We translate English books to, to the Dutch language. Uh -huh. And we print our books in Indonesia, and we are rather independent. We don't have any uh, obligations so whatsoever to any other organi organization. Uh, so what would you think about that? Um, what to do is email me again. You've done it, I think, emailed me before. But yeah. email me again, because when my, my computer went down the last time, a whole bunch of names and addresses got scrubbed out. So email okay. me again with that, with that, with your, your their address or your contact number to get in touch with you. Okay, because uh, the quality uh, price ratio in uh, uh, Indonesia is rather okay. Yes, yeah, I know, I know. So m maybe we can help each other out here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I see you. Email me and I'll, I'll talk to you uh, if you leave me your number as well or send it to me. Yeah, peace, peace be upon you. And peace be upon you too. I'll be back after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth.
and nothing was done. Now, that was followed by, by intelligence reports that came out from the Mossad, who said the same thing. How come? Well, the reason, of course, it went ahead was because they wanted it to happen. The new American century agenda could not come into play without that happening. And after C. Clarke wrote about it in the, in the, in the 60s in a novel, in a science fiction novel, where he talked, it was called 2001. That was to be the kickoff, the kickoff of a whole new system ending in 2010. That's the second one. These are all the way that they write things in quietly for those who understand. And uh, 2001 was their, their plan. We found that Brzezinski wrote uh, the, the, the Grand Chessboard talking about this, the same agenda, basically, and that something would have to happen on the scale of Pearl Harbor to motivate the public behind them for a war. The first casualty of war is truth, and, and that's followed up by massive propaganda to get the public on board. The pirates who love ships always get you on board. All the terminology we use is theirs. Right. But uh, this is an essential thing, and to make it so realistic, they wanted all this blood and, and all the rest of it. Now, at the same time, the Red Cross... Uh, was down in, in its favor in the eyes of the public, especially here in Canada, because of the tainted blood scandal that wiped out most of the hemophiliacs in Canada, mm. because uh, Clinton signed that deal with the prison authorities mm. to, to buy blood and pay the, the prisoners a few cents. They knew it was contaminated. They sold it to Connaught Laboratories that was set up in World War II as a bacterial warfare organization right. uh, linked to the government. And uh, uh, so the Red Cross was really down in favor uh, and, uh, because of that whole deal. Barbara Bush was, was the, the head, the titular head of the Red Cross at that time. Right. So I was thinking more nefarious as in using the blood for tracking purposes. Do you think that had anything to do with it? I have no doubt when you realize that the, even the Human Genome Project, and right. that was admitted to uh, that everyone who's had blood taken in the socialized countries like Britain and so on for the last 30 years has had samples sent off to, to secret government laboratories to, to, to type you and to get your, 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 your gene coding, basically. And my, uh, my next question is from my wife. I apologize ahead of time for this, Alan. What happens when you die? When you die? Yeah. Um, all you can really know is the difference between belief and knowing something. Uh, now, belief can sometimes start some people on a journey into into that ends up with unknowing it depends on what you personally experience in your life as you seek truth things happen to you and things almost come to you um, but you have to to bring it on you have to be ready and the only way really is to know yourself as to say know thyself uh, that takes a lot of examination and you have to have a hunger an absolute hunger for truth when that happens, you'll, you'll, you'll have a few experiences that will make something happen. That will confirm in your mind for you what there is after it. For everyone else, um, they've always called those who simply follow blindly a given, a given set of rules or a religion. Uh, they were always called, they were always called the dead. In all it's even in the New Testament, let the dead bury their dead. Everyone scratches their head. What it meant was those who just accept the rules that are given at their time, never question anything. Um, uh, it doesn't matter what country they were born into, those people would, would be 
do very well in Islam, they do very well in, in Buddhism. Uh, they just follow what's given to them at that time. Most people are like that, and yet there are people who will use the given religions as stepping stones and go beyond it. Unfortunately, it's countered by the whole New Age movement, which leads you off into complete fantasy, fiction, and actual psychosis. Right. It's a psychotic. So you don't follow gurus that, that are supplied to you. The path, if the kingdom of heaven, if the kingdom of heaven is within you, it's within you then it's, it's, it's up to you to find it. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to find it, yeah. Awesome. And, and that's the answer to that one. Awesome. As usual, have a great night, Alan. And you too. Thank you. Bye now. Now we've got Tommy in L.A. Are you there, Tommy? Hey, Alan, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, uh, I just wanted to... Um, I remember a while back you had asked... Um, you had spoken about um, the Brothmans and Joe Kennedy and uh the liquor trade and uh i work in a bar and uh so i i see a lot of masonic iconography on the bottles of liquor yeah. and i was just wondering um is this is this just a blatant display of, of of their power over us over the way they control us yeah uh, if you look at india ancient india they talked about a drug called Soma that they gave to the public. That's no secret in India. There are various drugs there. Oh, the drug in um, lay you back. Uh, Huxley's book. Yeah, and and so they've always used drugs uh, with the people, especially when they increase your stress level, uh, or you're half starved, or or you you feel life is unrewarding, and so they make sure that there's always something. In the Soviet Union, you have to line up for bread and wait half the day or three quarters of the day to get some, some peas to boil at home. But you could always walk into a store and get a bottle of vodka very quickly. Right. Uh, that was even shown in Orwell's 1984. Sure. So they always make sure there's always a drug for the masses, and for those who don't go for that, they always make sure there's other alternate drugs that are made available to the general public. Right. And, and that keeps people fairly fairly um, quiet. It also and you think that they also... Do you think they also use that, like, to to push vices on us, like, you know, Internet porn and, and these drugs and all these other things so they can foster a psychopathic culture amongst us? Well, everything works that way, absolutely. I mean, all drugs are are mind-altering. All drugs are. And and they do poison the brain. That's why you, you, you when you're drunk, you, you, if you're totally drunk, you won't remember what happened. Right. You, your, your brain has reached a toxic level. And um, so all drugs are meant to alter the brain. Now, the brain chemistry as well. And uh, there's no doubt that alcohol is the one that's been pushed big time for the Western countries for an awful long time. You look at the sports, who are the main funders of all the sports programs. It used to be cigarettes and, and, and booze. Now it's primarily booze. Right. And, um, and it's no because of the sedative nature of alcohol? The day? Uh, yes, a sedative nature... And it's also because of the culture we're given here. We're not taught in this culture to be open and honest because we're all taught to compete uh, with each other all the time. Right. And, and so they say that, that alcohol breaks down the social barrier for a temporary uh, amount of time. That's why people go to date and they'll drink or they, um, that's when you, they, they, they can loosen up their tongue. The social barriers drop and they'll often do things they wouldn't normally do. So it's used 
because the system we live in is artificial to begin with. We don't know how to communicate heart-to-heart to people anymore in the Western world. So are we giving them power by consuming these things? Oh, absolutely, and you're keeping the system going because um, they rake in vast amounts of money uh, through this uh, through, through the drugs they allow into the public uh, to, to take vast amounts of money. Um, and there's no doubt, too, that great quantities of alcohol, uh, it, it totally destroys the, the entire body, not just the liver. It's one of the most toxic uh, um, drugs out there, really. Well, thanks for taking my call, Alan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling. And we've got Andrea in Denton, Texas. Are you there, Andrea? Uh, yes. Yes, I'm here. Yes, go ahead, please. Um, yeah, I have like a little laundry list of stuff I wanted to go through. I've been listening to you for about six months, and I've gone through all your blurbs, and um, things have finally started to really make sense for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was this one thing that happened. I'm a college student up here, and I came to government class one day, and they had the um, two people there representing the Republicans and the Democrat, and... They were basically telling the class that they needed to pick a side and vote in the upcoming election. And then they had a Q&A section, and, you know, I went ahead and stood up and asked something about GM food and made them all uncomfortable, and I think that spurred other people to do stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. You know, I I don't know if that was, you know, like where that came from, the whole idea of having that just pop up in class like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, spontaneity means, means that so there's something working there. And, and that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing when you're spontaneous. Yeah. Hello? Oh, hello? Yes, yes. And, you know, I've picked up um, a lot of these books in the library, and I've been reading them, and I've managed to um, go ahead and tell one of my friends, you know, and she she agrees with me, you know, mm-hmm. about what's going on. Yes. And I went ahead and ordered your books. I sent that in the mail, but I forgot to attach a letter saying that I wanted the three books, so I just wanted to go ahead and let you know that. Okay, okay. When did you post it, by the way? I believe Wednesday. Okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye now. And we also have Morgan in California. Are you there, Morgan? Hey, what's up, Alan? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, please. Okay. All right, yeah. I was uh, calling to see, because originally in the beginning of the uh, episode tonight, you mentioned a little bit about the culture industry. And um, I was wondering, I was talking to this girl a couple years ago at a party, and she was claiming to know some people that were kind of high up um, on the food chain, on the fashion industry. And she was telling me about this, literally like a book that they had that kind of mapped out like probably for you know, 10 years, this girl was telling me, and I was actually wondering if you ever heard of something like that, if I could I, ask you what that is. I haven't heard of that, but I do know. I mean, I've seen, I remember back in the, in the 60s, I was pretty small at the time, and um, there was a program came on uh, from the BBC, and it's, it's, it's odd because they'll actually show you some truths at times, knowing that very few people have enough memory to remember things that are important, it's a, it's a form of mocking the public, I think. But they showed you a panel of middle-aged people, males and, uh, male and female, all dressed in business suits, and, and the women were in tweed 
uh, outfits, uh, very conservative looking, uh, not the kind that would be into pop music and rock music. And I thought this whole panel uh, at the BBC were deciding who they were going to make number one and number two, three, four, five, all the way down, uh, simply by stating it and making it so and, and popularizing the particular music. Now, these characters, uh, I've not, but probably would be listening to, to Chopin or something like that themselves in their own, uh, own private um, homes. But here they were uh, running the music industry for all the up-and-coming youth, and that was no mistake. They always run the whole culture industry. And uh, at least there are some people now in Hollywood that will use that same term, that they're part of the culture creation industry. They're well aware that that's their function, is to alter culture and to imprint particular uh, new ideas in a certain direction into your mind, especially when they attach it to emotion, emotive imprinting in movies. That's how we have our minds altered uh, when it's attached with emotion. Uh, we don't question it uh, when it's portrayed in a certain way. So these are sciences, uh, and there's no doubt there is a, a pyramid-type structure where those at the top are well aware of how it works, and they have their, their head people go out there and inform those in head of, of the big entertainment uh, industry, the different parts of it. There's no doubt it's coordinated. And I noticed that traveling through Europe um, uh, as a musician as well, uh, when I saw laws getting passed, I saw the same fads starting in every country at the same time. And that, didn't, that wouldn't happen if they're all independent nations with their own cultures. So I realized yeah, yeah. there was an international culture industry already working at that time. We'll be back with more after these messages. So, did 
we kind of st- all start out even uh, years back, and then I, I can see. I, I think I see that we started out even, and the psychopathic tendencies is almost a natural selection. And once they get that going, uh, all everything adds up to the the uh, matrix has has been enhanced, enhanced, enhanced with yep. technology. That's right. That's right. In other words. Uh, a deviant system, a deviant system, exactly. incredibly cunning, took over a long, long time ago and basically gave to the people that it ended up ruling once it introduced this odd commodity called money and debt and bankruptcies and so on. Uh, it, it, gave, it gave the cultures to the people and trained the people uh, to believe it was all quite natural, this cutthroat system of winners at the top, oh, uh, yes. well, they've hoodwinked us now. I mean, uh, exactly. But I, I like to th- would think that maybe a couple gazillion years back, we were original people. We were in communion with the Creator. Kind of knew what we were supposed to be doing, and it's hard to tell just what it is, but it's not what we're doing now. It's not what we're doing now because in order to, to think beyond all of the, the world's things, you have to, to have peace. And if you notice today, most people have no peace within them absolutely. at all. Oh, no, the, the system ensures that you don't have peace. It always keeps you uh, with a hundred little fears in, in the back of your mind on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. So can you, are, are you saying that's about right that we we started out evil. Well, we have started even. out even, and perhaps it's time uh, that those who can can even it out once again and start rejecting the evilness and the inhumanity of this entire system. Well, I heard you the other night. And, now we're, we're, uh, we're coming up for the last uh, uh, break now, or it's actually the end of the show. So from Hamish, myself, up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. Me, your God, or your gods, go with you.